Welcome to Present Value. Hello, Present Value listeners. I'm Eddie Mealy, a Cornell Tech MBA alum and leader of the Cornell Tech Underground. Cornell Tech Underground is a community of alumni entrepreneurs from various class years who meet on a weekly basis to discuss their startup experiences, share wisdom, and offer support to one another. In addition to the weekly calls, we have an active Slack community where we help each other with everything from bug testing to HR. On that note, I'm excited to introduce this episode with Will Mitchell and Nate Bondo Coeda, who talk with host Adam Musa about their path to Cornell Tech, their experience working together on startups supporting remote work, Tangle, and their future plans for the company. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and as always, subscribe, share, leave a review, and follow Present Value on Instagram and Twitter at Present Value Pod. I'm your host, Adam Musa. Today, we welcome on Will Mitchell and Nate Bondo Coeda, co-founders of Startup Tangle. Tangle is a technology company that makes remote work. Will and Nate founded Tangle with the goal of improving working virtually. The product allows remote teams to collaborate with the same set of natural behaviors they do in the office. It's a product for remote teams that makes interactions seamless. Will and Nate are also recent MBA graduates from Cornell Tech. Prior to business school, Will spent six years in corporate strategy and development at Hudson Bay's company, and Nate eight years in software engineering at Microsoft, where he worked on products like Skype and Teams. Will and Nate, thanks for joining us today on Present Value. Thanks for having us, Adam. This is great, and we're honored to be here. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Really excited to have you guys on today to talk about Tangle. It's a company that's so relevant to our listeners between the business school students who have had experience working group projects virtually or young professionals. But before getting into the company, I'd love to hear more about your backgrounds and how that helped you get here. Can you guys share a little bit about your experience prior to Cornell Tech? I worked for my post-college life as a corporate strategist for a large retailer, the Hudson's Bay Company. And I supported them in rolling up several retail businesses. Part of the job was to figure out the classic term synergies, and that required us to apply technology to improve operations and management of companies with very different workforces and goods and ways of doing business. When I eventually chose to leave and go to business school, it was with the idea in mind that I would figure out how to better apply technologies better integrate them into companies because in my previous job, I I ran into this institutional inertia all the time where you just plug and play something. And by the time it was part of the company, it almost was too late. And there wasn't a culture of like continuing to adopt things, adopt technologies or, or processes or tools. I came into Cornell Tech with that in mind to learn what technologies were out there and how the most cutting edge companies in the world were able to continue to adopt and innovate upon that. Yeah, so my background is a more technical study engineering in school. And after grad school, I joined Microsoft. There is a funny story about how I ended up at Microsoft. But I joined Microsoft, started on the, what was at the time the link, Microsoft Link, what is now known as Team, and worked there and uh, switched between like different teams within Microsoft. One of the turning points for me was I went to the Windows team that when uh, Windows Mobile 10 was still a thing and worked on it and we built a new project from scratch. We basically, the idea was to build the equivalent of FaceTime on a Windows platform. And this product, we spent, what, two years working on the project and it 
went into beta but was never released and like just like thinking about the experience i was wondering like how come like all those like smart people they missed on just like understanding what the users really want and i felt like going to business school i could actually get to learn how to understand market and like building product better not only the engineering part because and what our experience also showed us like the engineering part is not always like the it's not necessarily the hardest part it's just getting to understand what people need and taking like user requirements and user need and, and transforming it into a product so that what led me to business school and i was looking for uh, i was really because i really wanted to stay in tech so i was really looking for a school with a tech focus and the cornell tech program just seems like a perfect match for me so i joined it and met will and uh, since then we've been building tangle that's awesome. And it sounds like both of you identified a challenge that has led you to find some common ground in what you've started today. Business School is notoriously known to be an incubator for startups. Did you guys come together and feel like there was an immediate match with your skill sets? Or how did you find that pairing? It's kind of funny to characterize it like that, because you're 100% right. But I think, I mean, Nate, speak for yourself. I know I came in not expecting to actually get into a startup, I figured I needed a little more experience and then I would have an idea that worked and and then go pursue that later in life. But I caged that with the fact that I think the first week of school when Nate and I were, were actually Nate was driving me to class, we were talking about a bunch of ideas we had and a lot of them cool and worth pursuing. This one that became Tangle actually started in that car ride. You we were talking about remote work and why it wasn't more widespread and what sort of would need to, to actually happen to make it more widespread, what was missing. And we were tossing ideas around back in the summer. So while we didn't expect to, or at least I didn't expect to get into startups, entrepreneurship, as a matter of fact, the the you know the seeds were planted day one in, in business school or week one in business school. I definitely had some ideas around like startup. I didn't know if I was going to do them right away after business school, but I had a lot of ideas around like fintech and really like few different ideas. Nothing was really shared because again, those are, Everyone has ideas like from there, like taking them to transfer, to turn them into a business is, is not easy. And also like their, your personal ideas. Like I don't think my ideas were like really based on like, oh, talking to user and understanding like this is something people want. Just like noticing like gap or things that I feel like I needed like to improve in my personal life. So <laughs> Will came with this idea. I remember like early on, he put on a deck and, and shared it with what, was the idea of Tangle. It's very different from what it is right now because again, this is like the initial idea, but we knew it was around remote work and how to build a tool to make jobs available like across geography because even with the existing tools like Teams and all those uh, Zoom everything, there is still like a concentration of talent in different areas, uh, different parts of the country and the idea is like, how can we how can we build technology to push back the geographical barrier and just allow people to be able to work from anywhere without having to pay high rent in the Bay Area? And what was kind of cool about that, you mentioned skill sets. Nate and I worked, I don't even know if we worked on a project together, but of course it's a small class, Cornell Tech. So often half the year class is in a given specific class at any given time, or even all of us together, you know, I think there were 83 of us. So we had an opportunity to see how everybody worked. And, and Nate and I became friends where we were thinking about what are standards for excellence? You know, what are 
great products? Like, what does it take to be not academic and, and really make something great? And what would our ideas of that be? So we were talking about that throughout the year before we decided to go into business together. So we had an idea of each of our styles and what we would expect out of getting into business. So that when we actually decided to go and do this, I think it was a surprise, which is great because we get along so well. And then the other thing is the skill sets. I personally had worked in companies that did remote work and maybe didn't do it in the best way or could have benefited greatly from it. So I had personal experience, but then, I mean, Nate, you had really applicable experience for this, the type of technology that we're building, which is really cool. I think it's worth mentioning. Again, having pretty much like my entire career, just like work on uh, communication tools, like from Skype, Teams, and the project I did for like Windows. So this is something I've, uh, I've always been passionate about building communication tools. I guess like for like matching the skills that it was very easy. I, before coming to business school, I couldn't read a financial statement and Will couldn't write a line of code. So I think <laughs> it was pretty obvious that uh, I was. But the most important thing I think for, I mean, obviously the skill set was obvious as complementary, but what early on and just being friends and talking to each other, we really respect and admire each other's work ethic. And this is something that, it's really hard to learn when you're going to build a company with someone. You really have to have trust in their work ethic. You really have to know like, if I'm out there and working really hard, I'm, I'm sure this guy is doing the same thing and he's not a slacker or anything like that. So, And I think having this mutual respect for like each other's work ethic, I think that's what made us, uh, we, we really knew like we will work together fine. And you guys mentioned this a little bit in terms of building a friendship and the car ride where you built that friendship and trust and, and probably came up with a couple of other ideas. Can you guys walk us through that brainstorming process and maybe some of the other ideas you had on your way to coming up with, with this one with Tangle? The brainstorming process, Nate mentioned I came with this deck. So I had I locked myself away in this this place with no internet for a week before I went to Cornell Tech, like Bonnie Vera, but without all the, the sadness, just to try to come up with some ideas. Nate, I'm sure you did it in your own way that didn't go as extreme. <laughs> I came in with the deck and I thought it was a good idea, but I wasn't sure. So I was kind of like trying to talk to some folks about it. Nate was the only one who took it seriously. And then it was like, could we do this thing where I can speak to somebody as if they're next to me through my device? Is that possible given the, the state of technology? And Nate was like, oh yeah, you can do it like this. You can and then came up with on the fly how to use DSP and buffering and all this stuff to in real time analyze and, and send audio, which is pretty unique, I think. Because we were in the car and Nate was like basically talking through the original idea, like how to actually structure it. And actually, that's what it ended up becoming. We had different ideas. That, and one thing, like one thing that's really good with Cornell is you have access to all those professors who have extensive experience and like just really bouncing the ideas to like different professors and like getting their feedback. Thanks God for like a lot of good professor at Cornell Tech who like saved my life and tell me like, oh, this is a terrible idea. Don't do it <laughs> on like other ideas I have. And so I think we basically put everything in the kind of like in the bag just because of the program was like so intense. When the pandemic started, we were just like, okay, this is an opportunity. We're going to have a lot of time in our hands. We're going to be at home with everything. Let's just go back to like the different ideas we have. When the lockdown started in New York, we decided to leave New York just because we were living in like everyone in like small studios and we... We had a friend who had a place in North Carolina, and I remember Will was like, okay, on the train ride, I'm just going to work on that idea. So 
we met in North Carolina, in Asheville, in North Carolina, and Will was working on the idea and talking to a lot of people. And it just seems like perfect timing for uh, remote work. It was easier to find users to interview because everyone was going through it and like people could feel like the pain, even like using Slack or Teams. It just became natural. And then Will came up with this idea, drew like, a lot of things and I think he was trying to give me credit, but it was, uh, oh, we should do this thing this way. I was like, no, in terms of technology, this cannot work. And I guess when you're an engineer, I tend to always think about how to build something. And this guy, because he doesn't have to build it, he can just throw all the crazy ideas <laughs> like, oh, let's do this thing. And I'm okay, someone has to build it and it's going to be really hard. I don't even think it's possible. And I think he kept like challenging me on doing it. So I like, went back and really went back to the basement because I was staying in a basement and oh, like, yeah. thought about it uh, longer. No, he he locked like, himself away. So I locked myself away in the beginning. Not even kidding. Nate locked himself away. And there were two floors to this duplex. He locked himself away. And I don't even know if you ate for a few days and just built a prototype. I mean, I don't know if this should make it into the podcast, but like, so he he started off by challenging David Tish that he was going to be able to do this thing. Cause Tish was like, I don't know if that idea can work. He's a sponsor at Cornell Tech. He ran the studio program for a while. So Tish is like, I don't know if this idea can work. And it's like in, in five days, I'm going to send you a prototype. And so he disappeared for five days and he built it out. And we still have the video. I mean, it was really slow. It was like clunky, but the pipeline that it ended up that ended up being the baseline for what we built, it worked, which is really cool. We actually had something and a deck, which was pretty unique among the people we were working with at the time. So we built a prototype and we had something. Obviously, we, like when we start talking to people, there was a lot of interest in it, and we participated to the Cornell Tech Startup Awards. We made it to the final round, but we were not one of the teams selected. But it gives us a lot of exposure, and we got to like even uh, talk to people and get really good feedback on some of the part of the product that need to be that need to change, turn mm-hmm. into a, a business. Coming out of that, we were just we knew that this is something we wanted to do because we just felt like it was the right thing to do. And we felt, you know, you always try to minimize regret. So you don't want to look back and say, like, oh, we had this opportunity, but we decided not to do it. And in a year of, with the pandemic, like, you don't have much to lose. Decided to just go heads down and work hard on it. And yeah, here we are now. That's awesome. And it sounds like, like you said, Will, you guys took advantage of a challenge and, and also the opportunity within the pandemic to be able to create Tangle. I'd love now to shift to the specifics of the business and its features of functionalities. We talked a little bit about this, but as I understand it, Tangle allows remote teams to collaborate with each other as if they were in the office. Can you guys explain it in a little bit more detail for our listeners who are probably hearing about it for the very first time? Just dialing it back a little bit. So we started off thinking Zoom was catching on at the time when we started thinking about this for the first for the first time, you know, Slack existed. So there's persistent messaging. There's ability to have large video conferences which people can use for meetings. And yet remote work was clunky and not widely done. And then, of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were able to, to suss out that, in fact, people were having a lot of trouble being constantly on Zoom and having to do all their communication through Slack. So we sort of had this, this shell of an idea. And in our minds, it was a lack of human contact. There's not the ability to to look over, to speak over your shoulder, to see out of the corner of your eye, you know, who's talking to who or when it's time for a coffee break or be able to just talk about something with nuance without having to type it all out and, and leave it in a persistent manner. So that's the problem. What we ended up doing is in a lot of ways, replicating those behaviors for 
for the device. So on your computer, which is now the conduit through which you do all of your work, you have a very limited amount of real estate. If you want to go from program, program to program, your context switching, adding in video conferencing and Slack and things like that is a whole other layer of both management and context switching that takes you out of work. And they also lack the ability to have like I said, those impromptu touch points, water cooler chats, whatever you want to call them. And we let people do that. And we let them do that. We let people do that in the way that's most comfortable by simply speaking to each other. And Nate, you can describe this better, but essentially we allow people to simply speak to their colleagues, you know, hey, Nate, what's up? Or Tyler, you got a second. Can I show you this thing? And then you're into a conversation. And then when you're finished that conversation, saying something normal to signing off or whatever it might be, that conversation ends. So you can go in and out of conversations like you would in the office. You can talk to any combination of people, whether one or all of the people in your workspace, and you can do it with all, all without interrupting other folks. And then we marry that to avatars that reflect what's happening in the office without the sort of invasiveness of video and they live, they float lightweight on your screen so that there's always an idea what's happening, that sort of body language, but without requiring you to switch windows or manage new dashboards. Actually really, really simple because it's replicating the behaviors you would you would use to communicate with people face-to-face in real life. And as Will said, like we really try to bring the make communication when you work remotely more human and one of the first thing we build in our AI is just like the ability to say good morning to your team. Because the thing is, when you work remotely, you become just this free agent. You just st- turn on your computer and you start working. You, from time to time, meet people in a meeting, in an online meeting. But in the real life, you start working with, you come in the morning, you say good morning to people. Like, so with Hangle, you can like, turn on your computer and you just say, you see the avatars of people online and you can just say good morning, everyone, or happy Tuesday, happy Monday to your team. And it's really making it like more humans because like one of the things like we learned from user interviews, people are complaining about the fact like they didn't feel any, they didn't feel close to their colleagues anymore when they move remotely. And even though there were like everyone was doing happy hours and all these things, but again, the happy hours, like it's a good effort. It shows like there is a problem, but it's being putting everyone on Zoom for a happy hour, it's not a solution because like one person is going to talk at the time, like you usually like the loudest person. And uh, also you really booking time in your schedule for like a social or like something that is supposed to be natural. So you can just, so with our products, like I said, you can, you can just have conversations with whoever you want impromptu in a similar way, but that means you don't need to schedule anything. You just chat. You can walk around while you're talking to people. You can be getting work done and talking about sports, whatever it might be. We add that back into your life for remote teams. That's great. And there is this challenge with remote work that you guys have identified. There is one thing that I hear consistently from professionals in the workforce or even students. It's that culture is really hard to translate virtually. It's really hard to maintain culture virtually. And while there is a lot of convenience, obviously, in in working virtually, I'd imagine at the root of it, Tangle is really addressing that problem. But I'm sure there are probably concerns that come along with the software as well. One of the questions I have is, is Tangle always listening to users or or tracking conversations? Is it something that is always on? This is obviously when we were talking to people, this is like one of the first concerns, like people do not trust uh, device listening to them. And we really do like great things about like 
picking like different cues to like know when to listen to you. And we basically only listen to you when you're really active on your computer. So if you're not even active and, and active means you're not typing on your keyboard, on your keyboard and moving your mouse for like 45 seconds, we just stop listening. We really try to reduce how often we listen and like compute things. Like, and the first, like, the first reason we did it is also like because the computer is like expensive, even though we were doing it locally, it's expensive. So we just wanted to like limit how much, how often we do it. So we don't, you, you, your computer doesn't run out of a CPU because at the beginning our processing was like, it was really bad. So we were like really trying to like stop it as often as possible. And we're using really a lot of like different cues to know like when to listen and when not to listen. It's even based on like the intonation of your voice and like different type of things because we also notice there is a certain way people talk to computers like it's not you your voice pitch usually changes when and we're picking like those different cues to like know what to analyze and when to listen to you or not said it perfectly it's it's a series of layers and it's what's cool about having the, the avatars as well is it's this ux that can this ui that lives in your field of vision and anything that would cue the app at all would have a visual component that would allow you to see what's happening. So there's also the measure of safety where like, oh, there's a visual notification when I when I call out to somebody and it connects the the call with them. There are all these, there are there's several layers. So it's it's the visual. And then of course the audio isn't listening to you unless you're speaking to your machine and it's it's towards somebody. And then there are layers of analysis on that. You mentioned the culture element too. I know we were talking about the technical stuff, but I thought it was an interesting point because actually one of the things we're, we're noticing we work best for is onboarding. So imagine bringing somebody new onto a team. They don't know what the relationships are on that team. They don't have an easy way to get to get feedback. In fact, they might need to do individual Slack DMs and then sort of break the ice there or wait for schedule a conference call, take a formal meeting. There's less of that informal chat. And there's also less informal chat with other people who are joining a team. So if you have two folks joining at the same time, they won't know each other either and be able to learn from each other's not even mistakes, but learnings, right? And Tangle brings that back because you can have, you're having chats just like you would in an office space where I would come over and pull up a chair and say, you know, hey, hey, Adam, uh, why do you have such a nice microphone? Where do I get that? Whereas I might not take the time to put that on your Slack, or maybe I'd feel silly about it later if it's eight hours from when I first said it. You know, what, does Adam not like me? I mean, that's a crazy thought, of course, but, but these are the kinds of things we can bring back. And, and that's why that's why we've had, we, we've helped teams bring new people on and train them and, and integrate them into the team culture. I've consistently heard that those are the types of conversations that people really miss in the office. You know, the more impromptu, casual comments that maybe don't seem quite worth the text or sending a message over Slack. So it's great that you guys have found that niche and identified the problem with onboarding. But what about situations perhaps where a coworker is busy or, or might be in a meeting? Is there a way to appear unavailable or is the message just sent immediately to that, you know, to that coworker? We have a simple do not disturb feature. It's very easy. I mean, it would block anything incoming and it would also signal to your teammates via the avatar that, that you are not, that you're there, but in fact, not able to speak. Simple, but very effective. And actually, if you think about it, without Tangle today, if you, let's say you you work in a large organization with like 100 plus people, but you have your core project team that you're working with and you want to signal to everyone else out of your, I'm not available for you, but I'm available for my team and the people I'm working with 
directly. I mean, good luck doing it today with like <laughs> Slack, Teams, or anything. I guess Teams, you probably can put a, a status to say, I don't want to talk to you, but I want to talk to only these people. It's like, and again, Tangle is built for like your direct team. So it like, it brings like, it makes it like more intimate because it's built for you and like the people you communicate with the most. It's not something where like uh, you're going to see avatars of like 100 people on your screen. It's like really people you need to communicate with the most and you have like this direct relationship. People like you, you need to ask a question to like multiple times a day and you don't want to keep alt tab and going and like typing a question. If anything, it's actually easier for you to signal to people that you're available to chat or you're not available to chat. And another feature we're developing right now is the ability to just like detect when you, let's say you're in a Zoom meeting and automatically set you in like do not disturb so like people know not to reach out to you. And one of the best thing, I, I really think one of the best thing in Tangle is like when two people on your team are talking, you can see who is talking or, I mean, people are talking, you can see who is talking to who. Yeah. And this is like really show you like activities within the, within the, your team. And you can decide to like go and join that conversation the same way you will see a lot of people in a workspace and you, you can go and join the conversation. And also, I feel like as a manager, it just makes you feel better like, because there is always this idea of, yeah, you want you know, on a team, you want to have this culture, you want people to help each other. And when I can see that today, like, oh, people are communicating, you know, they're exchanging as a manager, it makes you like feel good about like the culture in the team. Like, and there is no other way to do it. We actually have ours running right now. So we're on Do Not Disturb and our, our engineer in Vancouver knows that that we can't speak right now. But we could actually just put it, put uh Zoom on mute and ask Nima to give us some figures if you were to challenge us with numbers or something like that, which is kind of cool. You know, and it sounds like you guys are right in the midst then of adding features that Nate, you just referenced. And Will, you talked about another team member that's even on Tangle right now. Can you guys share a little bit more about where you are with the product and the business? A few weeks ago, we launched our PC version. So we're testing with some early teams right now and implementing some of the more important feedback we've heard so far. And there's also like a whole laundry list of features that people want to add. So we're going to have to prioritize those at some point. But we're right, right now focused on getting the product out to Mac teams because it's in very good shape. We're getting good feedback. People are, are really enjoying what it brings to or what it adds back to their remote work environment. And we want to be able to expand it to teams that have some Mac users on it. So I think something like 62% of machines or operating systems in the U.S. on a laptop or a desktop are, are Windows. So that teams of up to 10, there's a pretty good chance that it's going to have a Mac user on. So there's a lot of folks on a waiting list, basically, for us to get that out. And then it's a matter of adding some of these features that people really like. But really, we're excited to deliver it to people who can, who can really use it and improve their work lives as a result. I'm curious, can you guys share some of that feedback that you've gotten thus far through testing? The main one is that it feels like you can pull up a chair with people. There really is the ability to drop in. You can have conversations with nuance. You don't have to think about all the things you're typing out. When you are speaking, you have this, what you say drops off. It's it sort of like self-destructs, right? You have a much better ability to express yourself and say things that you that could have mistakes in it or basically work your way through a problem. And the reality is you speak seven times faster than you type, then you understand things vocally two times faster than you than you read them. So it, people love the ability to pull up a chair and talk about work, talk about outside of work, catch up when it's boring or when it's a late night, be able to get together and have that camaraderie. 
It's always surprising, like one of the things people always get excited about is that this AI was able to understand when to end a call and so you don't have to go and click on a button. For some reason, like, people always get really excited about it. They really love like the fact that like, they don't have to click to end a call. And I think this is also like one of the feedback we get, but like, yeah, the idea of like, oh, you can see who is talking to who on a team. And also you, you get to, like, so one of the feedback I got is like, you, you really get to pick up cues. So for example, someone who is like really, uh, who is like very talkative on the team, you will see their avatars always like talking to someone. And like the day, like you don't see them like talking, like you can like reach out to them, hey, is everything okay? Which is something you cannot do like, with uh, any other tools today like you can really like pick up like different cues and like learn about people di- different people habits like you can know like this person and that person usually they chat you know around this uh, this time and during the day and this person is usually focused because they are do not disturb around that time and like all those things i think it, it's uh like this is like some of the great feedback we had are people who People who want, I think one of the things we mentioned earlier is like the integration to like detect if I'm in a Zoom call. This is like something also people are asking for, but the, the feedback has been very positive and, and a lot of features people are asking. It's too much for us to handle at this point, but I guess it's a great sign. Yeah. And uh, I just want to add the thing that I like the most about it is it's like almost too obvious. And it, people say that, that it's cool, right? Because we, we've said how we use we use our AI and audio pipeline to allow you just to talk to people, right? So the, the first thing you hear when a conversation starts is me saying like, hey, Adam, do you have a second or something like that? But it's a much more comfortable, elegant way to start a conversation that you're barging in on somebody with. We do have a click to talk feature in case people prefer that, which uses a notification sound that we're very comfortable with and kind of cues people in that they're they're joining a call. And it's great, but it's really cool to be able to say, hey, Nate, what's going on? You got a second to talk. Did you see LeBron hit that dagger last night on the Warriors, right? It's just a nice way to start a conversation off, also cueing them into the fact that they're starting a conversation with you. It's It feels good. I always enjoy it when I get to do it. It's so great to hear that you guys are growing and expanding software capabilities at such a great rate. And And we've talked about this a little bit and mentioned some of the other platforms that are also out there intended to support remote work. How do you guys differentiate Tangle in a market that has all of a sudden become much more crowded over the past year or so? There are direct competitors and then there are the big fellows, right? So there's Teams and Slack. And the way we see it is that it's it's kind of funny. Teams is a, is a suite that incorporates Zoom and Slack in the Microsoft ecosystem and for in terms of the functionality, right? So our initial premise was that there's something missing in that ecosystem that we can provide. And they've made efforts, actually all three of those companies to try to fit that back in or to even to work into this, what people are calling like an async remote management style, which is where you just don't ever expect anyone to be synchronous with you. And that can definitely work for some teams, especially if you sort of powwow and then break off and do your work and then come back. A lot of companies really need to be able to communicate to maximize their potential, right? So we think that we do fit in between something for those teams. And Microsoft Teams is the word Teams is going to get used too much, but uh, Microsoft Teams, huge penetration. Lots of people have it. It's part of the Office 365 pack. We still can offer something that they don't offer for those people. And we think that so the longer term vision is we actually think that our platform by being impromptu and between the folks on your team, the, the easiest way to communicate 
will actually allow us to leverage our AI platform to enable those other products like Slack and Zoom to actually work better. So something like, oh, Nate, I got to share my screen with you. Can we hop into Zoom real quick? And then recognize that that's a prompt to get into Zoom, wait for Nate's approval and actually push that. I mean, it's a little bit farther down the line. You can tell it's a it's a relatively big thing to tackle, but it's shooting off of our platform that we already have. So it's something we intend to, to cover once we've raised our next round and can expand the team. But then speaking about our direct competitors, we're unique in the sense that it's little things, but really the, the sum of it is we're a much more comfortable way thinking first from first principles. How do people interact? Do they need anything more than the ability to, to visualize relationships and to be able to speak to each other or to have their programs actually enhance their ability to work? And a lot of our competitors are using video because it's the default. Most people use video for Zoom. They're, they're using dashboards that require you to physically click into a specific room like, oh, I'm in a water cooler chat. Come talk to me. It's a little weird. They have interesting prospects and, and interesting takes on the space. We just think that we've stripped it down to its basics and that actually makes it much more powerful. We, we've done like inventory of especially like direct competitors. We, as Will said, we don't see Teams as, or Slack as direct competitors, but there, there are a lot of like other uh, products in the space. I'm not going to name all, any of them because I'm not going <laughs> to <laughs> do ads for them. But so, and, and we really like uh, spend time using their product to understand like how they're doing things and also, we're not building product just for the sake of building a product. We really want to bring like a value. We really want to, we believe like our approach to like solving the problem that everyone recognizes unique. We'll said before, like a lot of those competitors, they use videos, they use some click. And we really were trying like really hard to like, how can you reduce like the level of friction when you're communicating with someone and the communication tools should just be something like kind of like in the background and it's just working for you and you don't have to like really go and manage a tool, look for someone, click on this thing and, and that thing. I still don't understand why people think video is a solution. It's where to go is if I'm building a product with video with the development of like all the virtual background, people do not want to have video imagine if I was talking to Will on video and I see like he has something outrageous in the background. So a lot of people are trying to build a product around video and we really like what is the minimum thing you can do to communicate like the cue that video will offer and at the same time not being invasive, like not me having like to show my face. If I'm working on my rooftop, I'm going to be shirtless, but I don't want to be see people on my, you know, people on my team to know that I'm shirtless. We really think our approach is like unique for like everything we have seen so far and how we're using really AI to like push people in the in a conversation and make it very seamless to the product is running while not running. Really need to switch context to go and communicate with people. I can be working on like and this is like my day-to-day -day thing. I will be working on code and I can just like ask one of my engineer, like, hey, like, I'm looking at this code review. Why did you add this thing? And it really, like, the typical way is, like, you type something, you go, and then you switch. You're working on something else. The person responds, and you switch back. You go back to, like, that context. And I personally don't enjoy, like, the context switching. And being able to do those things, like, synchronously and quickly, I think it increases your productivity. And I think it really makes us, like, unique compared to, like, everyone else out there.
it might have been Johnny Ive, but it's 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 related to the to the iPhone. It's like the best the best technology disappears. It sort of becomes part of your life. You don't. It, it's not in your face. So that's kind of where we're where we're headed. So you guys mentioned the seamlessness of the product and how you're able to differentiate yourselves a little bit from your direct competitors. Will you briefly touched on funding? How were you guys able to position yourselves to be able to work with investors? Uh, to capture funding. You know, that's a topic I know many of our listeners who might be in the ideation phase of a startup venture are particularly curious about. So first of all, it's a team effort. So Nate mentioned how I started off with an idea and I brought it to him and the product has changed a lot because we really had to fight each other on t- in turn, until we were both satisfied that we thought through it properly. And we got a ton of outside feedback. So we used our professors and our connections through Cornell Tech to get lots and lots of really minute feedback and realize where we had hooks. So the more you pitch, the more you understand your own product because people reinterpret it for you. You're almost getting them to work for you in a way. So that was a big part of it. But for us, it was latching on to cutting edge technology that is starting to become commercializable. So in this case, it's voice AI. Siri's been around for a little while, but this ability to actually recognize intent and capitalize on that is new, but it's now robust. And we're right on the edge of that wave. So like we're capitalizing on something that's not quite in the market yet in a new way to fit to a gap that we can solve for people. Actually, you know, when we first started talking about it, it was how can we do remote work when nobody's remote? And we thought it was still a very compelling case. Now it's lots of people remote and will be remote and it's even more compelling. And then it's, are there teams who would really want to use it? How do you distribute to them? It's basically like what pieces can you fit together that give you a unique advantage? And it's really not, we're so early. I don't want to act like I know everything about this stuff or I have some prescription that's unique. We're still learning along the way. But I think that one thing we've agreed on is that you don't really have a moat. You've got a lead. And the more you can give yourself space between you and other people who would want to pivot into what you're doing the better. And that's what you're trying to convince investors of, that you've thought through everything, that you're thorough, so that you'll be able to increase that lead as much as possible, and that the idea itself is worth backing. Yeah, exactly. And really listening to users, I think this is something we didn't come with is Obviously, you don't. It, it it will be crazy to tell people that oh, I have this idea, I have this crazy idea. Give me money to go and like build this idea because this is something I always dream of. Like yeah, <laughs> if you take your own money to like realize your dream, but like this is like something like it's always like from the first idea to where we are today is listening to our users, what do they want, what do they need. Think features, like we had features, we prototype and run it through people that said, no, this is too creepy. Let's go back, reiterate on it. And I think the ability for us to like go and adapt to like users and really take like user requirement and turn into a product, this is something that we really demonstrate to the investor. Like we're really capable of building, not building technology or building just a product like I'm personally not interested in building technology I've done it before like building technology for the sake of it it's not that useful I really want to build something that is valuable for people I really want to build like an experience an experience is only valuable if people are going to use it and really we spend a lot of time with our our users will is always 
talking to people to like get their feedback, demo, doing demo to people, reaching back to our user to know like some of the pain points and uh, come back and like, okay, people are asking for this, people want that. And I think this is really the thing that you go and like convince the investor like this is, I'm listening to the market and I'm taking like input from outside to build the product. I know we have a vision for the product, but we also like listening to the people who ultimately are going to use it and pay for it. I'd also add, I mean, we mentioned earlier, we get along pretty well. <laughs> I think that matters a lot because when we got funding, you know, we were two guys at the deck with no reputation. We've got interesting work histories, but we're not stars in Silicon Valley. And, and so we were told that's pretty straightforward by the investors who eventually went in with us. They said, you guys don't have a reputation. You're two unknowns with, with a good idea, but we were able to demonstrate that we can work together, work off each other. The cool thing about being Cornell Tech MBAs is that we really did kind of meet in the middle through the schooling. So Nate mentioned like, I, you know, I couldn't code and Nate couldn't read financial statements. And now I can't code and Nate can read financial statements. He doesn't really need me anymore. We were able to, throughout the pitching process, trade off all the time. So it would be like, we would, we would just get on a call and depending on who we were talking to or how the flow was going, switch off. And that's something cool that can demonstrate that as a team, you can really handle all the duties that are necessary. You just mentioned the vision of growing your business, and you guys have highlighted a number of product features that you're incorporating and always keeping the user at the center of the product plans. Can you guys share how you envision growing the business outside of the product itself in terms of the team and, and financially? At this stage, it's really proving to ourselves and our users that it's proving to ourselves that this product is something that's extremely useful to users. So we're starting to get some signals that that's the case. And it's proving to users that we're capable of tending to the product to make it more valuable to them. That's pretty much the beginning of qualification for a seed round where we're a good bet. And so that's that amounts to proving that we're a good bet. And when we are that good bet, we're able to raise a seed round where we can expand our team a little bit and tackle more of those features that people really care about and make it a commercializable product. So it, it is, it's both raising money and expanding the team. We're a freemium product right now, but we do have plans to use some of these features we've talked about throughout this conversation, like enhancements, the ability to automate parts of the, the workflow, maybe even enrich the avatars and do that to make the product worth charging a premium for. Yeah, and, and in terms of terms of team, like we really want to grow organically. We've seen a lot of people going from a team of, I don't know, two people, five people to like 30 people. And you need to establish a culture and you cannot just bring in like, we're going to hire within the next two months, three months, we're going to hire 20 people and have a culture. It's just going to be really difficult. So we really want to grow like organically, even though, and it's been a challenge like during the entire process is how much you balance between velocity and bringing people to do things quickly and like really doing things like take the time to like really establish this culture, establish like processes in place. When people come in, they can onboard easily and they can really, and also like when they decide to join the team, they already know like what to expect because already we already have like a culture. And when people come in, they just join it and they're really part of the team. Again, I think one of the things that like make us successful if we want to call, call ourselves successful so far is really the fact like we kept all the people we work with it's like it's been really close to each other we have a sense of camaraderie and because building these things like especially like from it, it's a lot of work it's uh things break and it's really you have to be able to like, 
enjoy the company of each other and like even the engineer we bring on the team and like we really try to like establish this culture so this is one of the things like as much as like we have ideas how many people we need we understand like we we cannot just bring everyone at the same time and say like oh like again with the limited experience we have we don't think this is uh, something that will work at least not not for us as you guys think about the future of the company and, and future obstacles how do you guys envision Tangle supporting businesses long-term if companies and teams start to come back into the office on a more regular basis? Well, so first of all, this would have been like a really, really bad business idea if the only thing working for us would have been COVID. I mean, COVID like really made people understand like uh, you can be productive while working remotely. And we still, we really believe like this product and when I just think back at my time at Microsoft, I feel like this is something that would have been valuable for me. So people are, you're not always going to have people in the office. And I really, and especially like with big companies, you always going to have, it can be the building next door, but you, you still want this ability when you're working with someone like to be able to like communicate very easily. And we, we already have like a lot of plans on like, not going to give everything out there, but on uh, how we like things like features we're going to add to the product to like really make the experience even working in a co-located space better. And we, we really believe like we want Tangle to be the best of like the both world remote and uh, co-located space. So we, we think, again, this is something that will be also valuable for you when you work in a co-located space. And like sometimes Will and I, we go to a co-working space to work. And we still use the product, even though we're not sitting like far from each other. And just being in a co-working space and working and we'll notice that, okay, this is like the thing like we need to add to the product. That's something that can be valuable, like for people sitting in, in the same space. So we, we really have a lot of features that we can add to like enhance the uh, experience of working together in a co-located space. Yeah, I think you put it pretty well. Being on two different floors of the same building is remote. And, and so we're, we're built for that, which is kind of cool. That's great. And it sounds like while the pandemic may have helped shape the business and improve some of this concept and value, because you came up with the idea prior to it and you've leveraged your own experiences to identify this challenge that Tangle is solving, that's been able to lead you to the level of success that you've had up until this point. And I know a lot of our MBA students and listeners also have hopes of being successful and starting their own business. Can you share some advice for our our listeners and, and hopeful entrepreneurs? (laughs) <laughs> on being successful. I don't know about that, but um, but on, on starting your own business, it would have been impossible, I think, for either of us without the Cornell MBA community because of the sheer amount of, it takes a village, right? Like we, when I said pitching and having people think about our product is having them work for us. I mean, I really do mean that. We spoke to Professor Gall, who does sales and business development at Johnson, I don't know, a dozen, maybe more times, getting really minute tactical feedback on how to handle a new team, how to ramp up, how to sell, how to send a cold email, like the really specific stuff that you have to get done. I mean, you often talk about strategy in class and the big picture stuff, but when you actually have to do it, 
it can be really discombobulating. And we were able to lean on people for all kinds of aspects of that. We were able to use Wilmer Hale, which is related to Cornell, to handle our legal process, which we had no idea at the time was going to be so important. And they helped us all over the place. And they still do as long. I mean, in addition to being advocates, we were able to figure out how to find insurance, healthcare. I mean, you can find all this stuff online, but you shortcut it all by having the network. People will want to help you and, and talk about whatever you're, you're interested in, if you're passionate about it. And so just talk to everybody you can all the time. It's something that it, it's amazing the amount of people who will just like really take time off their schedule to just talk to you. Like yeah, this week again, Cornell MBA reached out to us and say, oh, I really like what you guys are doing. Let's get on the call. Took an hour of his time giving us advice on how to reach out to users, things like how we should position ourselves. And it's, I'm amazed. Like, and those people, they're doing it just out of goodwill. Like they, it's really, they just think like, this is something cool you're on. They're not asking for anything. They just want to help. If you show that like, you're serious, you're passionate about what you want to build, you will get a lot of help from the Cornell community. And if you like, an MBA is an incubator, like you, you really have like nothing to lose. It's like a safe environment because like the worst case scenario, like if you're doing an MBA and your startup doesn't work during the MBA year, you, you still get punished with a degree from Cornell, which is like pretty good. <laughs> so you just have to try and you have access to, again, professors, people who have like a lot of experience, people in the network, talk to as many people as you can run your ideas through like a lot of people do not, don't try to just build something, but really before even you start building or putting a team together, really talk to people. And there are so, so many people who will be willing to help you. And just to plug it, I mean, we're trying to make it easier for folks after they graduate and they're dealing with startups as well. So uh, Eddie and the uh, what we're calling the Cornell Underground right now um, may may change the name. Are trying to keep everybody together who's working on startups, so we can we can build off each other's knowledge base and and talk as much as we need to. So that's there too. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking the time out of your own schedules to speak with us and and talk to us about Tangle. Will and Nate, we really appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. That's been a pleasure. Thanks yeah. for the excellent questions and, and and great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Present Value Podcast is an independent editorial project created by students at the Samuel Curtis Johnson Graduate School of Management at Cornell University. This episode was produced by Tyler Ashcraft. I'm your host for this episode, Adam Musa. Music by Poddington Bear. Logo by Kalechi Pamungo. Until next time, thanks for listening to Present Value.